You're listening to Everybody Pulls the Tarp, the go-to podcast for high performers. I'm Andrew Moses. Each week, you'll hear my thought-provoking conversations with Olympians, pro athletes, CEOs, elite coaches, best-selling authors, and other high performers to uncover their secrets to success. Get ready to be inspired each week when we talk about leadership, teamwork, work ethic, and more. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, everybody, let's pull that tarp. My guest today is Mickey Janis. So Mickey had a big summer. Mickey made his major league debut at the age of 33 with the Baltimore Orioles. Mickey is a knuckleballer, one of the rarest breeds in all of baseball these days. And he's got an absolutely fantastic story of tireless work ethic, staying focused on a goal. Welcome to Everybody Pulls the Tart, Mickey. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Now, it's my pleasure, Mickey. So I want to I start by you know, going back, way back when you were drafted by the, the Tampa Bay Rays, the 44th round. What is that experience like? You know, getting drafted in baseball is, is so different than other sports because you still have such a massive hill to climb in terms of navigating the minor leagues to reach that ultimate goal of getting to the big leagues. So what's your mindset when you're drafted by the Rays thinking about what's ahead? Yeah, you know, I mean, at the time, you're just excited to hear your name called. And, uh, you know, baseball, well, at least for me anyway, like I never really knew if I was going to get that opportunity or not. So um, I was just excited to hear my name and and get the whole experience started. Yeah, it was a long process of waiting those 44 rounds. And, you know, a couple times, you know, you just don't really know if, if you're going to hear your name. And then all of a sudden, I remember following it on my laptop in my apartment after school and just kind of, I ended up like spacing out for a little bit. And then all of a sudden I kind of heard my name in the background and I'm like, wait a second, I think that was me. And then I like look at my computer and then sure enough it was. And then me and my roommate were actually watching it both in our rooms. And all of a sudden I hear my, my roommate in the other room, like scream, like he was excited for me. So it was just uh, it was just an awesome experience and uh, something I'll never forget. So you you report to camp. You're with the Rays after your your second minor league season. The Rays cut you, and 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 you're essentially kind of I, I guess back to square one. What do you what do you do then? You, you go to independent ball and, and try and kind of rebuild everything. I I know that's kind of when you started to pick up the knuckleball. Yeah, yeah. I uh, got released by the Rays in the off season had two decent seasons with them but I was just playing short season and I just kind of took it as a way to like maybe I want to do something different than everybody else is doing and this is really before the age of everybody's throwing 95 plus you know trying to blow by everybody you know and I was a sinker slider guy just an average righty five foot nine you know not blowing anybody away but just getting outs and I was like, well, if I'm going to go to indie ball, I'm probably not going to stick out throwing 88 to 92. So I knew I had a good knuckleball when I always like fooled around with it from when I was like 12, 13 years old, like all the way up. But I never really like stuck with it in games and, you know, threw it every pitch. But I was like, let's try something different. Maybe this is the way it's going to, this is going to go and had conversations with my family and stuff and they were all for it. So decided to give that a shot. I think Mickey, that's like a, a really interesting lesson for anybody, right? Regardless of what career they're in or what what line of work or whatever they're doing. I mean, what you identified there was an opportunity to 
stand out, right? You said kind of doing the same thing as everybody else might not necessarily get me where I need to go because maybe I don't, you know, I I don't have that 95 mile an hour fastball. I'm not six foot four. You 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 kind of, you know, I think we're really self-aware and like mature for you know the the age you were at the time and said, look, I got to do something different here to to stand out. Did you have, you know, you mentioned your family. I mean, did you have some coaches and mentors that were helping you think through that? Or was that something that just came to you? It's mostly just like my dad as as a coach. He was a coach for 35, 40 years, high school. He coached his brother growing up. And then my cousin played in the big leagues. He was actually a sinker, sinker guy throwing 84, 85 miles an hour and pitched in the big leagues in 1995. And my uncle played professionally in Australia. So just having people in the baseball world and just talking, having conversations with them. And I don't think they like forced it on me or anything. You know, it was just something that we had talked about. And then we just kind of saw it as a new opportunity and just like, you know, let's give it a shot. You know, I know it's pretty good when I play catch with guys. And, you know, when I did fool around with it in like college summer leagues or high school, you know, it was pretty good. So it was just like, let's give it a shot. And actually at the end of my uh, tenure with the Rays in 2011, I almost threw it the last game of the season because I was fooling around with it. And I was like, talk to my coaches about it. They saw me play catch with it with some guys and they were like, it's, it's good. Yeah. You could throw it the last game of the season. So I was going into the last game of the season in 2011, like ready to throw it. Everybody's excited for me. And then one of the pitching coaches actually was like, Hey, you know, we want to, we're winning the game. It's the ninth inning. Like we just want to end the season on a good note. Like let's just scrap it. And then I ended up getting released after the season. And, you know, I was a 23 year old kid just going like, okay, you know, coach says, doesn't want me to throw it. So it's like, and then looking back now, obviously I'm like, should have just thrown it. Like there was nothing against it. Like I should have just said whatever and just thrown it. But you know, that's how it is in pro ball. Sometimes you're listening to the coaches and, you know, but anyway, so it took me to independent ball and, and yeah, so just decided to go with it. Mickey, I want like, because so many people listening may not be baseball fans. I, I want for the average, you know, non-baseball fan, I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, the game has gone so far towards the the velocity, the big arms throwing 98, 99, 100 plus miles an hour. The knuckleball is something totally different. Why don't you share for people who aren't familiar with the knuckleball and maybe baseball, how unique it really is and what it is. <laughs> it's hard for me to explain it sometimes. <laughs> That's how weird it is. But it's just an unpredictable pitch that, you know, relies on like airflow and no spin to get movement. So with everybody trying to, here, I got a baseball right here. I mean, you know, everybody's relying on the four, spin, four seam spin rising up in the zone right now at high velocities where the knuckleball, you know, you're coming in with zero spin. And the seam catches a piece of the airflow or the wind and it causes to turn and then it gives it some wiggle is pretty much all it is. So it's just unpredictable. And because it's so unpredictable, like coaches or front offices, you know, it's hard. You can't really coach it, you know, so you're kind of on an island when you're throwing it. And a lot of the catchers don't even want to catch it, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. so, it's, it's um, pretty challenging, you, right? <laughs> yeah, you do come across guys who who don't want to catch it, don't want any part of it. I mean, you just remember uh, Tim Wakefield and and the Red Sox and 
they had Jason Veritek, a phenomenal catcher. And, you know, he basically said, you better get bringing Doug Mirabelli back because I, I don't want to have to deal with this thing. And Mirabelli made a career out of it. And I think uh, Ari Dickey had, uh, I think it's Josh Tooley was another guy, you know, so they have their personal catchers, but yeah, it's just, it's so unpredictable and it's really uncoachable. And, and sometimes it's hard to, hard to really feel when, when it's good or when it's bad, because you can have a good one and it still gets hit around and then you can have like a not so good one. And, you know, you go seven shutout with it just because it's so unpredictable. So I know Mickey, when I, you know, I, I've, you know, been watching baseball for years and, and I, as everybody you know knows from the everybody pulls the tar mindset, I spent a little bit of time working in minor league baseball. I've been around the ballpark. I've spent my fair share of time around baseball players. One of the things that I've always observed, especially with pitchers, is that you know you, you have a lot of downtime, and it always seems like you know you're spending a lot of time talking. I'm sure you're talking about all kinds of different things, but I'm sure some of that conversation is about pitching and honing your craft and you know what you can learn from one another. How does somebody like you? I mean. There's, there might be nobody on the team for you to necessarily kind of compare notes with. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it's just, it's a strange, strange pitch. You know, with all the analytics we have nowadays, there's no way to predict the knuckleball either. So again, going back to like, you know, you got like all these charts and plots and everything with dots on them and the way people, you know, analytics are reading it. And then you got a knuckleball. And I don't know if you remember that math class at all, but it's just a big scatter plot where like, you know, you have four seam fastballs here, you have sliders here, changeups here, whatever. And then a knuckleball, it's just like everywhere, you know, because it just moves in every different direction and there's no consistency to it. And that's what, that's what makes it good and great. But that's also what, you know, is so tough about it because again, there's no way to coach it. There's no way to, you know, it's hard enough to teach. I mean, I've talked with some knuckleballers at times and it's really just like gathering some thoughts together and then going out and throwing it and just having a feel for it because it's just, you just don't know how to coach it and how, what, what's a good one to look for? Like, yeah, okay. The catcher can't catch it. That one was probably a good one, but you know, sometimes you're throwing them with no spin and they're not dancing all over the place it's just a strange pitch where it's just so unpredictable in every aspect of you're trying to master an unpredictable pitch basically mickey so you're drafted by the rays you have a couple years in pro ball there you're let go by the rays you go to independent ball you kind of keep the dream alive 2015 the mets sign you you join the mets organization now do you feel like you kind of have a a, a new lease on life your your major league baseball dreams are alive H- how does that feel now you've got a, another major league organization who's taking a a bet on you at that point yeah i mean it was uh i was going into that 2015 season in ind- independent ball and you know i wasn't getting any looks from 2012 to 2014 you know i think i threw for maybe one scout one or two scouts and they're basically like oh you throw an up ball you throw it pretty hard and then it's just like that's it. Cause they, they don't know what to do with it. Like they don't know how to, you know, feed this information to front offices. Even if they do like the front office is like, well, it's not, well, I don't want to have to, I don't know what to do with that. So it was almost like, if I don't get anything this year, like how much longer can I even keep going? That was the first real time where I was like, you know, maybe, maybe this will be the end, but ended up, 
middle of the season, 2015, getting picked up by the Mets, who obviously had success with R.A. Dickey. So that was pretty cool. And the pitching coordinator was into, you know, again, something that's different than everything else. So, you know, there's somebody who buys into the knuckleball and, you know, being different than everybody else, having something different in the organization. So, you know, just working with him and realizing there's there's another opportunity. So just trying to hold on to it and write it as far as I could. How did you go? You, know, you mentioned that that was kind of the maybe the one time to that point where you had thought about that, you know, maybe this, maybe I pack it in, maybe I do something different. How did you kind of work yourself through that process? I mean, there's people, whether it's in sports, business, anything, right? There's entrepreneurs who have startups that they're trying to progress and, and they don't feel like things are working. People are faced with decisions all the time to, you know, for lack of a better term, to give up or to move on. How did you go through that? process and then get on the other side of I'm going to keep going. It was just kind of like a mindset, just like going out every time, like giving it everything I could and, you know, pitching the best and just trying to uh, take advantage of the opportunity in independent ball. And I knew I had a good opportunity with the Long Island Ducks. We had a great team. We had a coach and a general manager there that was bought in on what I was trying to do. So they, you know, let me run out there and do my thing. And you know, just kind of like trying to block out everything else and, you know, just go out there and pitch and just get people out and hopefully somebody takes notice. And again, you know, that was all you could really do is just go out there and get people out. So I just, you know, kind of blocked everything out. And then when I got on the mound, just just did my thing and turned it into a contract with the Mets. So we kind of we kind of keep fast forwarding here, you know, 20, you know, 2020, the Orioles pick you up. You're now in the Orioles organization, but then a challenge faced by all folks in the minor leagues at that point, the COVID crisis hits, the minor league baseball season is basically shut down. You got to feel like nothing's working for you at that point, right? You know, you, you've got another <laughs> chance, you're getting really close and then you, a global yeah. pandemic hits and, you know, obviously that created lots of challenges, you know, and still creating challenges for folks around the world. How did you deal with that now, both from kind of the the mental side of it and then just the pure like staying in shape, you know, keeping moving forward as a pitcher. I know that was a extremely challenging time for everyone, but yeah, it was just, uh, finding any way I could, uh, to throw the ball and, uh, stay sharp just in case we actually found a group that was able to throw like live batting practices. And, you know, so I was actually able to face some hitters here and there, maybe like once a week or so for a couple months. And then, you know, basically just finding a fence at a park, you know, that they wouldn't kick you off of, you know, thrown in into the fence. And then I actually bought a net from my backyard. So I was thrown into the net a lot and just trying to stay sharp any way I could. I know me and my wife were doing backyard workouts all the time and, you know, and just trying to stay in shape and having conversations, you know, every, every few weeks with uh, our pitching coordinator with the Orioles. So just having conversations with him and, seeing what they needed and, you know, I'm just trying to stay, stay ready just in case they needed me. So this, you know, this Mickey, you, you know, this show is called everybody pulls the tarp and it's all based upon this philosophy that I have that great teams, great organizations are powered by individuals who do the unexpected. And while the show is not about baseball and it's not about literally pulling the tarp, it all goes back to, an experience I had uh, as an intern working in minor league baseball. I worked for a summer 
uh, with the Trenton Thunder at the time were the double A affiliate uh, for the Yankees. And I thought I was going to go there and learn the business of sports. And I quickly learn, as many who listen have heard this story many, many times, that in the minor leagues, everybody does everything. You know, and, and I was out there 15, 16 times that year pulling the tarp with the grounds crew. And alongside me were our CEO and general manager, our VP of marketing, a bunch of grounds crew guys. I also drove players and their wives to the airport back to their condos. I dressed as the mascot for two weeks. I parked cars. I sold merchandise in the crowd. I set up moon bounces. I did everything that was asked of me, regardless of what was in my job description. And as I progressed in my career, what I started to realize was that being a tarp puller, as I have kind of come to call it, is a key ingredient to success, right? I, I want to work with other tarp pullers. I want to be around other tarp pullers. I want to I be around people who are never going to say that's not my job. And I think one of the cool things, you know, obviously the, a lot of this conversation is around baseball and minor league baseball, but we talk with leaders and high performers from all walks of life on this show. And, and what I find consistently is people who find success, like you have found, do it by just doing the unexpected, checking their ego at the door and being willing to do whatever it takes. You know, I'm reminded listening to your story of my, one of my conversations on this show with Scott Hatterberg, whose story became, you know, obviously uh, <laughs> of global fame in, in Moneyball. But Scott, you know, yeah. talked about his wife as well. When Billy Bean came to, to Scott and said, hey, we're going to kind of resurrect your career and we're going to move you to, to first base, you know, him and his wife went out into a parking lot at their condo complex and he worked on fielding grounders in a parking lot and then on a tennis court. So you've got to do all these unexpected things. And people look and they say, oh, Mickey Janice, a professional baseball player drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays. It must be glamorous. It must be easy. He must have all these things he could play and pitch and throw with whoever he wants, whenever he wants. And then you're left, you know, standing at a chain link fence, hoping somebody's not going to throw you out. I, I, I think when you think back on your career and the long bus rides and the minor league ballparks and the, all the, you know, the throwing at the chain link fence and getting a net and doing it in the backyard, what, how did you kind of stay focused on the goal, the ultimate goal? I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I think it's just loving the game. I think too, I don't know, loving the grind and, and just believing myself that there is going to be that opportunity at the end where if I keep working at it, keep working on my craft and keep believing that, you know, one day I can pitch in the major leagues, which is the bottom line. Why I kept pitching is, you know, when I was in indie ball at the beginning, when I was, first got picked up by the Mets, you know, when I became a minor league free agent, you know, waiting for a, a call from somebody to say like, Hey, we're all in on the knuckleball. Let's go. You know, it's just believing that I could pitch in the major leagues. It wasn't, you know, I did, obviously I did love the game and, you know, love being out there with the guys and, and the chess match of, you know, pitcher hitter and trying to get the guy out. But, you know, I said, if I didn't think I could pitch in the major leagues, I wouldn't be doing this. Like there really wouldn't be a reason to be doing it then. So I really believe that I, at the end of the day, would get a chance to pitch in the major leagues and, you know, still believe that obviously, which is why I'm still working at it. And, you know, every day is a challenge with the knuckleball. There's some days you go out there and you're like, man, I can't even throw a ball with no spin right now. Like, I don't know what's going on you know, I'll be warming up in the bullpen like that. And then I go up on the mound and first one, the catcher misses, it hits him square in the chest. And you're like, all right, it's going to be a good one today, you know, and things like that. So it's just 
it's such a strange pitch that sometimes that happens. And, but I think just the ultimate goal of believing that I could, you know, I had the confidence in myself that I could pitch in the major leagues was really what was driving me. So just kind of, you know, staying focused in the moment on working on my stuff. And then, you know, at the end of the day, thinking that, you know, I'll get that opportunity. Passion, belief, confidence in yourself, you know, obviously all key ingredients. Well, Mickey, you, you got, you got to live that dream in June. You get the call up from the Orioles. You, you make your major league debut at the age of 33, which, you know, again, for folks who aren't baseball fans, that's, that's somewhat unique, you know, to to make your major league debut at, at 33 you know, after many, many, many years, you know, in the minor leagues, affiliated ball and independent ball. Uh, at the time, you, you became only the eighth knuckleball to make a major league debut in 20 years. So again, a rare, rare feat. What's that moment like? Take me in, in, through that day. <laughs> it was just a crazy experience. I mean, it's hard to even put into words what was going on. I just remember sitting in my hotel room in Norfolk and getting the call from my manager thinking like seeing his name pop up on my phone. And I'm like, all right, if there's a change in the rotation, it's the pitching coach that calls you. I'm like, I've never heard from the manager this early in the morning. It was like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. And I was just like, this gotta be it. Call him or pick up the phone. Hey Gary, how's it going? He's like, great man. He's like, I really wish I could say this to you in person, but the Orioles are selecting your contract. You're going to the major leagues. like." keep doing your thing, get up there, pitch your game, shag BP, do all the things that you do because he's like, just be yourself and, you know, best of luck. And then, uh, called my wife and I'm like shaking at the time, you know, like hearts beating so fast, like, and, uh, just told her, you know, I was like, you ready for our life to change a little bit. And I was like, you better, head to Baltimore here pretty soon. And she was actually vacationing on the East coast. So she just had a quick drive out of Baltimore and just a crazy day of packing emotions, trying to tell everybody and also trying to stay focused on like when I get there on, you know, what I need to do to, to pitch, you know, to be ready to pitch that day. So, but yeah, it was just a very emotional day and still even hard to put into words. I can't even imagine one, because I, I'm not athletic, so I would never you know, have the opportunity to do anything you know, like you have accomplished, Mickey. <laughs> but I, you, know, you, you go through all the emotions. You, you, you kind of reach that pinnacle moment, that call that you have d- dreamed about since, dreamt about since you're a child, maybe. It comes in and you're trying to share in that with everybody, but you're also trying to stay focused on the fact that, hey, I have to pitch in a major league baseball game, right? I have to do something that I've never done before. When you got between the lines, and you were on a mound and you were staring at a catcher, did things kind of settle down for you and you were able to just do what you've done for so many years, just throw ball to glove? I think so. I mean, it was still emotional. You know, you're trying to take it all in at the same time because you want to remember it. But I just remember jogging in and just thinking like, all right, here it is. Like you're here. And then I got to the mound and I'm warming up and you know, you got adrenaline going, but at the same time, it's just like, you don't really feel it. You're just going, going with it. And then I don't know why usually, usually you're kind of locked in on throwing. So you don't really like hear much, but for whatever reason, I heard the PA announcer to say like making his major league debut, you know, Mickey Janice on the mound. And 
like as soon as I heard that for whatever reason, I heard that and just kind of like had to take a second, like regather myself and like, all right, let's go. We gotta, gotta get the guys out now. So it was just, uh, yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's hard to put into words, but that was kind of like when it really hit me that it was like, all right, I'm, I'm really out here, you know? Yeah. You, you made it. You sure made it Mickey and congratulations to you. But baseball is a humbling game. And now you're now you're back in the minor leagues again, fighting your way back for that next opportunity, which hopefully comes not too uh, long from now in the in the big leagues. How do you now, you know, take the the kind of taste of the big leagues? You've reached that that kind of pinnacle that you were striving for. Now, how do you take that experience and get back there? Just kind of keep going like I always have, you know, it's just uh you know, the job's, the job's never done. And once you think you got it going, you know, baseball will humble you pretty quick. So just trying to stay level-headed and, you know, keep going at it every day. You know, right now I got a new group of guys around us and they're in the playoff chase. So just trying to do my best to help them help us win. And, you know, obviously helping, helping us win will mean I'm pitching my game and getting guys out. So it's just, uh, just, trying to keep getting after it every day and baseball's a long season where you're going to have some ups and downs and, you know, but, uh, it's just getting after it every day again. Still, so just, just staying on, on the grind is what everybody always says. And that's kind of what it is. Sometimes it's a grind, but you know, we're right there in a playoff chase and trying to win games. So just, uh, just going out there and pitching. Mickey, I, you know, I have loved following your story. You know, I think there's so much to learn from your story whether you're in sports, business, you know, life in general, you know, anybody of any age can learn from your story. I am rooting for you as 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 hard as anybody, and and I uh, can't wait to see you back in the big leagues. But at minimum, you have you know achieved that goal of yours, and and there is something to be said for that. And keep pulling the tarp. I'll keep rooting for you, <laughs> Mickey. It's been so great, so great chatting with you about your story and your hard work and 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 the way you've gone about your your craft and your life. So. Thanks for pulling the tarp, and and, uh, I appreciate you spending a few minutes with me this week, my friend. All right, yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, thank you, Mickey. Thank you for joining me this week. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you can catch all of our upcoming episodes. And if you are like me and want a world full of tarp pullers, then leave a review to help others find us. You can also follow me on Instagram at andrewmoses123 and sign up for my monthly email newsletter at everybodypullsthetarp.com slash newsletter. I'll share tips and insights to help you achieve maximum success and happiness. Today is a great day to pull the tarp. I am rooting for you. See you next time.